Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right. Welcome back to the Recession-Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host. We've got Clay Malcolm on here. And uh, Clay, welcome. Thanks a lot, Sam. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because this is a, a topic that, uh, man, I've been dealing with since I was a brand new real estate agent in 2010. One of my first clients used an IRA to purchase a flip. And uh, he wasn't able to, we can talk about the rules there, but wasn't able to do any of the work, but um, worked out really well for him. There's some hoops to jump through. And, and I learned a lot about that early on. And I have an uncle that does hard money loans through his, his IRA and right. um, you know, has self-directed IRA. And, and so there's lots of really cool things that you can do to get much better returns. And um, I think it's just a really fun topic. It's a really great wealth building topic that if you educate yourself on and, and use someone like yourself, a, a professional team to help you do it, you can reap some pretty pretty great rewards. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that you're a, a, enunciating something that's really a key component is you're, you know, you're activating a tool in your toolbox, right? It's just mm -hmm. part of your overall financial picture. But, but knowing about it means that you'll probably operate it and get the benefits of it, you know, better than somebody who just heard about it or, you know, isn't really paying attention to, to what's going on and doesn't, doesn't know when to implement it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of ways to do it. And, you know, the name of the podcast is recession proof real estate investing. And so we always want to touch on what not to do as well. There's a lot of options for self-directed IRAs. And um, in my experience, I've seen my investors, my clients do really, really well. And, and avoid those riskier investments. So that's always the goal. But let's start off. You've been doing this since 2011, correct? Correct. Yes, and both as a, as a professional as well as a self-directed IRA investor myself. Perfect. That's what we love to hear. I always tell my investors, you know, I'm not asking you to invest in or, or do anything that I'm not doing myself. I put money in all the deals that I do. Last year, we bought just over $50 million worth of multifamily properties. I put money in each one of those deals. We're buying another 187-door portfolio right now in Cleveland. Again, I'm putting money in those deals. And I think it's really important to not only show your expertise, but also your confidence in that investment vehicle that, that you're using and that you're selling to others. So um, sure. tell me a little bit about what you look for and, and what you like about doing or investing through your IRA. Sure. Well, in my case, I had... Uh... I had several jobs kind of or careers before well, it's not several, a couple of careers before I kind of got into the financial services realm. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't pay attention to money very much at all. I know it's a bad thing. <laughs> uh, but what I found is that I was in a jam, you know, I was getting older and I, I realized if I was ever going to retire, I really needed to pay attention to what was going on. And so in that initial research that I was doing about how do I kind of bring myself back into the game? What kind of saving do I need to do? How do I, deploy those funds, I stumbled upon, you know, self-directed IRA investing and the ability for, you know, my tax advantaged accounts, as well as my personal funds to be invested in real estate. And so that, that really lit the, 
lit the flame for me. Um, I was lucky enough to then also be able to, you know, find a job and be become a professional in the space and, you know, get to learn all of the, the intricate details. And, and I was always kind of a teacher. And so the nice thing for me was that I was able to then, as I learned it, to impart it to others. And a lot of it, as we just talked about, is just knowing that it exists, knowing what the general parameters are. And, you know, once that light goes on where you can combine the uh, earnings and the the returns from real estate investment with the tax advantages of the account type, mm-hmm. then after that, it really becomes more of just a, okay, I'm paying attention to the the deals that I'm seeing. I'm paying attention to what liquidity I have in my IRA, as well as my personal finances. And and let's start to match those up. And so that that ability to, you know, invest in something that I kind of understood from a, you know, a, just an intellectual perspective and, and feel like I had some control over it and to combine the tax advantages was really the thing that, that got me into it. And I, you know, it's kind of, you've probably encountered this a lot. There's really, it's very fun and energizing to, you know, talk to somebody and realize that that you're giving them some information that they're going to be able to use to their best, you know, to the best effect. And, and that's really going to change their lives. So it, it turned out to be a really satisfying job and a great match for me. And and I'm glad to say that my, my, <laughs> my retirement is more on track by a long shot than it was at the time when I started all this. So that's kind of my story. That's awesome, man. So so you realized that maybe you needed to um, expedite your retirement portfolio, the growth of your retirement portfolio, which a lot of people really start to realize that when they hit a certain age, they're like, shoot, you know, I, I maybe I do want to retire at a certain age and I'm not going to be able to at this rate. And right. I've seen lots of investors and clients do that. And so I wanted to give two examples and then give you one question. So the two examples, just for our listeners, and um, you can chime in at any time, but one was a professor of mine um, back from college who found out I was doing real estate, found out I was working with flippers. He, he had a construction background. He ended up buying a property for 160000 He put about 30000 into it. So he was 190 into it. This was all through his self-directed IRA. Someone else did the work. And he ended up selling for two thirty. So, and it was like three months later. So I think nice. after real estate commissions, his net was like two ten. So he made it. He made like twenty grand, but in three months. So I, I, I can't can't do the math in my head. I guess I could pull a calculator, but well, that's pretty darn good. I, I think you know what is that close to a ten percent return in, in three, in three months. months? Yeah, that's that's pretty hard to beat in my opinion. So that's one thing that he did that he really enjoyed and his mind was blown. That was the first time he had ever even considered it and 10%. And and in my opinion, that wasn't even that great of a flip. I mean, there's flips where people, my flippers are making instead of 20 grand or or 30 grand, they're making 50, 60, 70 grand per property. And at that rate, he'd be making 15, 20, 30% on his money in three to four months. Um, So that was a really fun opportunity. Do you have anything to say about flips or or that type of uh, self-directed IRA model or investment model? Well, there's a couple of things that I'll say just right off the bat. So one is my feeling of being able to be in control and to kind of exercise the expertise that I have. That's one of my favorite things. So if you're Mm -hmm. good at that, absolutely. You know how to make money at, at flipping outside of your IRA? Let's figure out a way to work it so that you're making money inside your IRA 
doing the same thing and using your expertise and using your real estate team and all that kind of stuff. The other thing that it brings to mind is just, you know, one of the the questions that I get sometimes is why would I invest in a, a certain thing in my IRA and and not outside? Well, that's a very large kind of comparison, you know, and takes a lot of knowledge about your your overall financial situation, but one of the things that that I think at its core that sometimes people forget is the the ability of these accounts, whether it's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or those two tax statuses, for that money to compound faster, mm-hmm. right? So that the cycle that you talked about of he made the twenty thousand in three months, that means that that money's ready to redeploy, yep. right? And and he can use all of it. Yep. So the idea behind IRAs is very similar, in as much as you make a gain, that gain doesn't get chipped away by taxes and can be redeployed. So that compounding effect is really the thing that, you know, I often remind people that, you know, lots of times people have put money into a 401k or a 403b or a 401a or something like that. It, with, you know, not a ton of kind of thought about exactly what it is that they're getting. Right. And one of the things they're getting is that compounding effect. So just keep at it, keep finding the next deal and using your expertise. Those are the things that are brought to mind. That's, that's, it's a good example. Yeah, yeah, having that control and and that's exactly what he liked. He liked to be able to he actually builds cabins up by Yellowstone with with his 401k as well. So he'll give his well, he won't build it, his partner will, but he'll he'll buy the property and and fund the construction and anyways, it's a really cool thing for him to uh make way more than he was making with his money just just sitting there. And then on the profits, just like you said, not pay a huge amount of taxes or not pay taxes on those profits when they, they just go directly back in, you can't touch the money. You can't take it and, and use it. Otherwise it gets taxed, obviously, but it goes right back into that, that account, that IRA account. Now, the other example I wanted to give is, is I have an uncle who will give hard money loans to new doctors and he will, they, they're just out of med school. They just got brought into a practice. They're making great money, but they don't qualify yet for a, a regular loan. They need a, a few months or maybe a year of job history of being that doctor and, and making that good money. And he'll be charging them eight, nine, 10%. They want to buy a $600,000 house. So it's amazing collateral. Right. They only do it with, you know, with nice homes and in good locations. And they love it. They, they've been doing that for years and years and years, and it helps doctors. And um, that's a pretty good client base to, to be w- working with. You know, They've got jobs. They're fresh out of med school. And, and so, so that's fun. I actually just did a hard money loan. So if you want to take one step back and not actually be the flipper, the guy doing the work, maybe find that doctor or the group that's working with doctors or find a flipper like I did. So I just loaned um, $300,000 of, of my cash to a flipper at 10% and two points. Probably could have gotten 12, but they're also profit sharing with me a little bit. So I also get 20% of the profits and there's about a $70,000 uh, gain to be had on this flip and it should be done in three months. So I will get you know, 14 grand of the profit and also 10% of my money plus two points. And so that's a really hard deal to beat for me. I know the flipper. I trust the flipper. I'm not doing any of the work. I showed up and looked at the house, ran the comps, made sure it was you know, the business plan was sound. And that's my involvement. Right. Um, well, I think, you know, the thing I love about that is that, first of all, you know, the the idea that you're the first thing you talk about in terms of loaning to the doctors, the, the idea that you get to use your own kind of agenda about how you 
choose to deploy this money. I, I love that part of it as well. Mm-hmm. And and then the lending part just makes so much sense. And I think most people are really surprised at how much flexibility they have for their IRA to make loans, whether they originate them or buy existing notes. And the beautiful thing about that, from my perspective, and this is what happened in my IRA and my HSA, so I also self-direct my health savings account, right. is that you know the the amounts can be so varied. You know, as long as I'm plugged into who needs some money, sometimes it's a very small amount of money to just finish a project or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And so sometimes it's a lot and the, the timetable is flexible as well. And so one of the things that I like about the lending aspect is just that the playing field is so open and it really just, in a lot of cases, you're just helping somebody with their cash flow, and they're helping me with my to grow my retirement and my HSA. And it, it's it's just a nice win-win. And there's that ability to have the amount be flexible, so that right. I can keep redeploying funds. Absolutely, and that's huge. I, I talk with my investors on these big deals. The faster you can get in and out of a deal and make a good return on a on a low risk investment. Obviously, your your retirement portfolio, that money is going to compound that much faster. So while we hold properties long term, our main priority and our biggest goal is to buy properties that have enough upside, enough profitability to be able to do a cash out refi and pull that money out as soon as we possibly can to redeploy, redeploy and do it again and redeploy and do it again. And we're locking in these amazing double digit returns but not being locked in for 10 years because the law of diminishing returns says you shouldn't be holding property that long just based on appreciation and and what you can get for your money. And so our goal is to redeploy every two to three years. Uh, with the flips, it's every three to, three to five months. And so it, it lowers your risk, it lowers your exposure, and also really boost those those profits and those returns and and that's what we love and and as you said the the flexibility of self-directing is amazing so on the hsas i mean there's not going to be a ton in there typically or have you seen large hsa accounts that people have built up and and done quite a bit with well you know this is it's, this is started to be the tipping point right so hsas have been around long enough where some people who are very dedicated to making their annual contributions and and probably had some luck and didn't have a ton of medical expenses are able to they they've got a pretty a nice you know kind of massive cash in there the other so i see a couple of things one is there are some hsas that are starting to build some some very nice you know totals and so they're able to do deals themselves mhm but one of the things that I see also is I have, you know, account holders that will combine either their traditional and their Roth with their HSA. So that might be, they might be tenants in common on a property oh, or they might, okay. or they might be, you know, partial, or they might make two loans to the flipper, right? So a hundred thousand from the the traditional IRA and an additional 10,000 from their HSA, making an entire, you know, amount of 110 or, you know, whatever the amount is, right? So that ability for somebody who is, again, knows how to deploy their tax advantaged account money. And ha- even if you have a small cash value, a lot of times you can combine that with another account or, or even your personal funds in some cases to, to get that money working. So I see some partnerships and some, some add-ons that happen with the HSA. I also see that sometimes with people who have both traditional and Roth. So they'll want them both to get the benefits of a deal and they'll invest them side by side in the same in the same project. So 
that again, nice. that idea, just knowing that you can. Is- yeah, I like that. So, so yeah. If, so for this deal that I'm doing, my buddy put in a hundred thousand. I put it put in three hundred thousand, but there was still twenty five thousand that the flipper needed. It was a really easy flip for uh, the rehab. We didn't contribute for rehab. Um, I don't usually just for a risk because if they screw it up, I don't want <laughs> to be lending on the rehab cost and the property. I just want to be able to be in first position on the property. But you know, essentially, if I thought it was an amazing flip, I could loan on the rehab if I really trusted that that uh, flipper or did it in draws maybe. Right. Um, but I could use that HSA, that smaller account. And so I like that. You can combine or buy it as a tick. If if our, you, our listeners don't know what a tick is, it's a tenant in common. So you have two LLCs that come in and and form an LLC and and buy a property. We did massive tick deals this last year to the tune of thirty six million in in tick purchases. Nice. So I'm I'm well versed in. Uh, it was painful, but I'm well versed in, in tick <laughs> structures now. We're doing that on this next Cleveland deal. So the the next question I had for you is, I really like the quick in and out. You know, compound your money as much as possible, but also the deals that we buy are so much lower risk with still really good 15% plus ret- yearly returns. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if if you've ever had anybody put IRA money into one of these long-term syndication or funds where they just sit on the money, it sends them you know, 5 to 10% per year plus appreciation. Do you ever have clients do anything like that? We do. We actually, it's an interesting thing, you know, IRA money is not one, uh, not one level of patience, right? So for folks who are younger, well under 59 and a half, which is obviously the threshold age where the early withdrawal penalty goes away, mm-hmm. IRA money is, and is conceived to be very patient money, right? You could invest mm-hmm. it for a very long time. And even if it doesn't have a cash return, you know, if it's an equity play or something like that, a long-term um, kind of thing, that's okay. But as the as the person gets older, their their need for cash flow and their need for uh, risk their and the risk tolerance risk changes. Tolerance, yeah, yeah, right. So so it's a it's, it is actually a changing equation. So. If you, you know, if you ask me if I've seen people do long term, especially ones that have a cash yield that's relatively consistent and things like that. Absolutely. Um, right. A lot of times, you know, I, I see that in, in somebody who has a uh, who's take, starting to take distributions and they, they want to be on a distribution schedule. They want it to be relatively regular and they, they have confidence in the project and that kind of thing. So this is, again, one of those places where your IRAs investments and the returns need to be in concert with the rest of your financial world. But mm-hmm. I definitely think that there's places where that type of investment is a very logical and kind of nice setup for the way that IRAs are also kind of conceived to be, you know, especially if you're going to use that as an as an income stream after you've retired or, right. or even if you're working part-time or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of people do it I just think, I don't think people understand that it's possible. And that's why I wanted to have you on is, you know, like this next deal we're doing, it'll be, you know, the, the first three years, we're going to increase the value of the property by about 25% through renovations. So you're gaining a massive amount of equity. Cash flow will be not super high, maybe 6%, which is still pretty darn good. And after we, we refi, we'll refi about 75% of the money back out through a cash out refi. They could put that money back in their IRA. 
and still be cash flowing at probably double digit rate, but also have massive tax losses. And that's the one reason a lot of people do invest with us is they they have significant tax burdens from you know, maybe other investment accounts. They're making a lot of money in the stock market since it's done well the last few years. And, and they realize they need to offset some of that income. So not only are your the money that you make off of these deals are not taxable because you're putting that money back into your IRA, but I'm curious, I probably have to talk to a CPA. How does that work? If we generate, you know, if you invest a hundred thousand with us in this deal, we typically will generate a fifty thousand dollar passive loss. How does that work with the IRA? And I don't know. That's that's very interesting to me to me because the money's not taxable anyways for the, for the time being, as long right. as it goes back in the IRA. So that's a whole other level of coolness that I need to check with the CPA and and see how that works because that's a that's another big advantage. You know, it's interesting. Uh, somebody asked me about um, IRAs and opportunity zones not too long ago, and there's they're also a very interesting tax tool. And uh, they don't necessarily have a an automatic kind of logical connection with IRAs, but some of the opportunity zone folks were talking about you know taking some of the depreciation and moving it to a different investor and things like that. So I, I encourage everybody when they have an idea, especially on an investment that's going to do well, is to investigate all those things. Where do the losses go? How can I use them? It, it, an IRA might not be the right tool for that. Yeah. Um, but the but the idea of you know taking charge of figuring out how do I you know work this deal to the, my best advantage I, I'm always a fan of that so I'm with you yeah. there. Awesome. I, I'm uh, going to write that down and ask my CPA today. <laughs> how yeah. does that work? Because <laughs> you know the, those tax losses are huge for a few of our investors. I mean, it's really saved saved their bacon a few times because of the income they've generated on other properties or other investments. They're capital gains they've had from selling other properties. And I know myself, I sold a hotel a hotel last year and two other properties and didn't pay a dime in taxes because of these bigger deals that generated enough losses. Um, I just wish I'd been contributing to my IRA, man. I, I've always just put it straight into real estate. And so tell me about um what, you know, how much people can contribute. You know, everyone I think has the question, why Roth? Why not Roth? What's best for me? It, if I'm a certain age or sh- certain income level. So talk to us a little bit about the, those two things. Sure. So first and foremost is account types, right? So these account types all have some rules. Usually it's about what are the contribution limits? What are the distribution rules? And mm-hmm. uh, what are the tax advantages? And obviously traditional and Roth are kind of opposite sides of the coin, right? So you know, traditional is pre-tax money in, tax deferred in the middle, while the money is in the account, and then when it's distributed, taxed. Post tax, uh, Roth, on the other hand, switches or flips the tax event to the front, so it's post tax money in. The gains are also tax deferred, and then qualified distributions are tax free. I will also say that those are not the only two accounts. So remember that HSAs are available to invest in real estate, and the tax advantages of HSAs are incredible. Right. <laughs> so. It's you get both ends, right? It, right. It literally, the money that your HSA makes in investments is really the only kind of money that I real that I think is actually free money, right? You never, from a tax perspective, yeah. you never pay tax on it. That's awesome. Assuming, again, assuming qualified distributions. And then for self-employed people, I always like to have this in there. So for any of your investors who are self-employed, a SEP like IRA or, or a solo 401k, 
And the reason for those two is that the annual contribution limits are so much higher than a traditional or a Roth, right? Mm-hmm. So almost 10 times. Was it right? like 51,000 for a 401? Uh, 58,000 in 2021. Okay. And with a solo 401k, if you're over 50, like I am, you get an extra 6,500 as a catch up. Wow. So, so it's, it's a lot of money. And you were talking about the ability for a vehicle to offset, you know, gains and things like that. Well, so the ability to have an annual contribution limit that's that high gives you some ability to manipulate what your tax bracket is going to be. Yeah. So, because you can get a deduction for quite a bit. So that's the advantage of those. So I, again, I, I encourage everybody to investigate. I, I tell everybody, take an inventory of whatever your tax advantaged accounts are. And if you're self-employed, think about the account types that you can get. And then let's sit down and, and kind of figure them out. You're, you're asking about the kind of the, the two basic tax strategies, traditional right. and Roth. Right. And, I, and I'll just hit that, hit on that a little bit. So First of all, I'll say this, the, the rules for traditional to Roth conversion at the moment, and this is, was not true uh, forever, um, are very liberal. You can actually con- uh, make a conversion from traditional to Roth of as much as you want right now. doesn't matter how much money you make, wow. doesn't matter how much you want to convert. Uh, there's no restrictions on it. So, <laughs> so wow. there's two things that... Two things that that indicates. One is that the IRS wants money. Yeah. <laughs> right? they're, they're making it very easy to make a conversion. But it also gives you the ability of every year to think about, okay, well, d- is this money going to be best deployed in traditional or Roth format? The Roth format is typically used, at least from my experience of talking to account holders and, and thinking about it myself. If you're going to invest in something that is a possible home run, a Roth would tend to be the, the better tool because you've already paid the entire tax freight ahead of time. So if in fact you do hit a home run, mm-hmm. all of the earnings are going to be tax-free, again, assuming a qualified distribution. But not only that, all the earnings and then the earnings that those earnings make from thereafter, from there on, are all could be tax-free. And that's Roth. And that's Roth, right? So I definitely see people who are, if they're thinking about an investment where there's a possibility for a very outsized return, they will either use their Roth money or they'll convert from traditional to Roth money before the investment so that the the potential earnings are tax-free. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, the the deal that we're looking at, we should be able to more than double people's money in the next three to five years. And so, you know, if they're putting in a million, we have one investor putting in a million. If he gets back 2.5 million, I mean, a Roth, if, if he had that money in a Roth, that'd be amazing. Right, right. That'd be amazing. Well, and there's another thing too is that you know this the conversion rules that we were talking about. So I actually see sometimes when people will look at their personal investments, and if they're if they've taken a loss or they can claim a loss on an investment, they will actually convert money from traditional to Roth because they do have to pay the tax on that conversion amount, oh. but it could be a wash. Wow, right. I love it. Cool. So, so, so listeners kind of understand that when you convert from a traditional to a Roth, Roth, you have to pay taxes first. So obviously the IRS wants you to pay taxes when you convert. Correct. In but that let's tax say, year. Yeah. In that tax year, let's say, but this, you also invest money into one of our deals, right? You have passive losses built, you know, coming to you as a K1 for, for 2021, potentially you could offset the conversion tax that you'll pay 
from going traditional to Roth with passive losses from the from the de- the real estate deal that you invested in with us. That's exactly right. And, and then, then you make money on the deal that you invested with us and you don't have to pay taxes on the money you make. Right. And then, of course, thereafter, all the investments that that Roth makes are then tax-free. So, so I, I definitely see people who are weighing that and, they, and they're looking at traditional to Roth conversion every tax year while the rules are still like this so that they can just kind of weigh it and measure. What, what do I have going on? How, again, how do I use this to my best effect? The other, wow. the other kind of, the other kind of very intuitive thing that I'll just mention is that I think a lot of financial professionals will say, "Listen, if you're a younger person, a Roth has a tendency to to have the at least has the potential to be better because again, you'll have many, many years of that money's earnings that will be tax free." Right now, there's a million things that can happen in the future. Nobody can see the future, and you know who knows. But there, but there is a, a a school of thought that says, listen, if you're if you're in the younger age group, and you're going to invest this money, and and not touch it, of course, over time, that the overall gross taxation of the entire sequence will be to your benefit. It will be better than a traditional. So yeah, one, makes one tool, sense. Yeah, one tool is not endemically better than the other. It really depends on the circumstances. But there are some situations where. Uh, the the potential kind of indicates which which account might be better. Sure. Well, I imagine if you're going to be aggressive about using this Roth and investing in deals like the ones we're talking about, hard money lending or generating these large returns, I mean, absolutely, you wouldn't want those returns taxed. And that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. so you pay tax up front, obviously. But then if you're making, you know, with our deals, we're averaging 15% per year returns that compounds really quick yes. and really quick and, or, or in the hard money, we're making 10 to 12% returns, but in, in three to five months time plus two points. So yeah, absolutely makes sense to me to go ahead and, and pay the tax and, and not have any of those gains taxed in the future. So what are the biggest stumbling blocks? I know intermediaries can be tough. I know the paperwork can be intimidating to people. I've had a lot of questions and concerns about, oh, it's just it takes forever to get money out or or had a bad experience. What are the stumbling blocks you see people have that go to convert or go to do a self-directed IRA? Well, I, I do think that there is a there there is a little bit of a learning curve. And I it's it's an interesting thing because I think it's more intuitive for some people than others, but it, there is a paradigm shift for those of us, you know, my age and older, probably most of us grew up thinking IRAs were completely passive. I mean, I used to send in my contributions and read the the, the statement like it was right. the Monday morning box scores. And, right. uh, so I'm really dating myself there. But, <laughs> but, the you know, very passive. And so there's a paradigm shift in terms of, you know, you as the account holder needing to bring some motive force to what's going on. And I, and I think that 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 is not upfront for some people. They think that they come to a self-directed IRA provider and that the self-directed IRA provider will be able to, to do a lot of things for them. And that's just not the way the system is set up. Um, it's, it's not that we're not a good customer service organization or a good customer service industry. It's just that it's not set up that way. We're, you know, where I work, we're, we give no tax, legal, or investment advice. Our job is to is to document what you're doing in your account so you get to keep the tax advantages. 
I mean, that's our, that's our whole, that's our whole gig. Right. So I think that that paradigm shift, if somebody's not um, ready for it can sometimes be, be tough for folks. So you do need to, you know, think about, Hey, I'm going to set this up. It's going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, again, assuming that you find a, a, a competent provider that provides a lot of education and wants to help you understand what's going on, you know, the, the first deal is the, is the hardest. And then after that, each one becomes successively you know, easier and it just becomes part of the way you do business. So, um, I, I, but I do think there's a little bit of a learning curve there. I think that everybody should do due diligence on their self-directed IRA provider. I mean, it, we're part of the equation. So yeah. our, our fee schedule is part of the ROI. Our customer service is part, is part of the due diligence. Our stability as a company is uh, all of those things. So I do think that there are there's a lot of misinformation out there. So finding a source of information about it that, that's reliable is is really key, I think. And, um, you know, so I would say that the the expectations or the paradigm shift is a big one. And then also just making sure you're comfortable with who you're working with and that you have an education and a, a resource for learning about what's happening either in your account or generally speaking with the account as, as it sits in the you know, in the IRS landscape. Those are the keys, I think. Yeah, I think that's great and, and really important to educate yourself. I That's why I started this podcast, to be honest, is I was selling a lot of property to a lot of people and it was scary how much trust they gave me. Didn't mm-hmm. double check my pro formas and I'll have investors or clients that apologize for asking me the tough questions and double checking my pro forma. And I'm like, hey, Please do, you know, Please do. <laughs> I wish everyone was like that. And, and, um, so, you know, if you're an investor, if, if you don't want to not think about it, if you want to just forget about it and let your money grow slowly, snail speed, don't do it self-directed. Just that that's, if you don't want to educate yourself, you don't want to participate. It's probably not for you, but if you do want to get a little bit better than meager or average returns and you don't mind educating yourself a little bit and, and paying attention and spending a couple hours in the evenings during the week or a couple hours on a Saturday, get educated. And there's so many opportunities. I mean, mm-hmm. opportunities left and right to, to make some really good returns. And again, that's the purpose of this podcast is to teach people how to get educated, what people they need to talk to, talk to you and take advantage of, of, just so many options of for growing their retirement portfolio and doing it the right way, doing it low risk. I always tell my team and my investors, we have to have the best uh, risk adjusted returns out there. That's always my goal. We're not going to have the best returns. We're going to have the best risk adjusted returns. So we're never going to be the sexiest deal on the planet because those are high, high risk. But mm-hmm. if you educate yourself like I do and my team does and our investors do, we always get the most educated, find the best deals we can. And with as little risk as possible, hit those double digit returns. And, and that's why I love the self-directed IRA and and all those options and, and wanted to have you on because there's so much people can do. Um, tell me a little bit more about your company and the service you guys actually provide and why people um, enjoy working with you. Sure. So I, I work for a company called Advanta IRA. Um, we're kind of a medium-sized company in the self-directed IRA space. Uh, we're at about 1.8 billion of uh, an investor assets that we do the the bookkeeping, and the administration for. And uh, you know, our job, as I as I stated before, is really to provide the account, 
the custody for the assets and the bookkeeping and administration so that whatever it is that you've decided that you want that tax advantage money to buy, it's documented properly. So the IRS sees it as part of the account and you get to keep the tax advantages. So we filed the form 5498 for the IRA. Um, We help you with the investment documentation. And a lot of people may or may not know this, but an an IRA is actually a legal and financial entity that is separate from you personally or separate Mm -hmm. from me personally. And so when the investment documentation comes around, it all all needs to be in the name of the IRA. And the IRA operates like a little mini trust and we're Mm -hmm. the custodian for that trust. And so we're actually the signers for that. So we help you with the paperwork. We help you disperse the funds from your IRA. And obviously we work with the, the investment provider to receive the earnings and things like that. Um, we're very big on letting you doing the education. So this is the way the IRS sees the rules. Here's prohibited transactions. Let's talk about what you have in terms of account types and and your investment goals and things like that. You know, from our perspective, uh, it's an interesting company because it was actually set up to be a customer service organization. Every account holder gets an education person like me, as well as a dedicated account manager who's kind of the back office nuts and bolts person. And then, you know, from there, we just, so you have our phone numbers, you have our emails and you work with us. So let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about your goals, what you want to accomplish and, uh, and see if we're a match and, and this is what we do. But, but again, we're, we're a neutral part of the equation, no tax, legal or investment advice. We're really listening to what you want to accomplish and, and trying to help you do that within the, the parameters of that, that account. So you guys facilitate you're not telling them, here's what you should do. Here's what you should invest in. And I feel like there's a lot of people that want me or you to do that. And so you do need to educate yourself, like we said, and, and figure out what you want to do, but, but you guys are the facilitators. You're helping people get their money, do whatever they want to do with it and make sure they're doing it legally. Everything's done correctly because it is, I mean, there's, you can't loan what money to friends and family, right. Or family, excuse me, direct family. Well, it's, and it's actually just some family, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I actually, my IRA made a loan to my brother, which is, which is legal, but, okay. I can't, but I can't loan to my kids or my parents. So right. Right. Those, those little technicalities can make a difference sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what's the best way to get in contact? Is the website? Is it an email? How should people reach out to you? And, and also when, at what stage of the process should they reach out to you? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say I, I'd love for people to just contact me directly. Um, my email is cmalcolm, C-M-A-L-C-O-L-M, at advantaira.com. I'll put that um, in the show notes for people. Yep. And my direct office line, of course. You know, And, and I am actually open to conversations at any point. So if you're okay. just thinking about this at the very beginning and saying, oh, well, I have an old 401k here. I have a, an old IRA here. Let's talk about that too, so that you can understand how it is that you can deploy it. But I would also say that if you have an investment in mind and you already know that it has some deadlines or it has a little bit of a time urgency, you need to call us right away because it's not an instantaneous process to get right. that money in position. So the sooner you can get a hold of us and talk about the logistics, um, if you already have an investment in mind, the better off you are. But Again, this is my favorite part of the job is to be able to talk to people about what they're doing and see if there's a match and to see if we can work together. So any point in the process is fine. Beautiful, beautiful. So I'll give you an example. Um, We are raising money. We need to raise four and a half million dollars for our next purchase, which will be the end of July. So at the latest, 
money would be due the last day of July, right? Last business day. I'm going to look on a calendar, but but I mean, we're mid June right now. Would that be enough time for people to start the process now and go through the process with you, and then be able to have that money available to them by the end of July? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you some rough estimates. the the max The minimum amount of time that you would need we would need is is a week. And but okay. but understand this: a week means that everybody everybody does everything per, perfectly. Yeah. There's no hiccups and you know that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's safer to think about it in terms of a you know two or three week process. But you know, given your okay. timeline, it, it's really a, a an easy thing to accomplish, and we have a little bit of a a, a buffer there. My last client must not have had his uh his ducks in a row. It took him six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know I'm if it was not, him I'm or not gonna the... lie. There, there are some horror stories out there. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah. We were like, come on, buddy, we gotta close. So we waited <laughs> for him, but yeah, that's why I asked that question. Okay, so two to three weeks, have your ducks in a row, know what you want to do. And um I'll I'll put your contact info in the show notes. Any any okay. other um, nuggets of wisdom or any thoughts or, you know, advice you'd give to people before we get going here? Sure. I, I would just say, you know, the, the tax tool is very powerful. So get started on it. Mm-hmm. And most of us have contributed to some tax advantage account somewhere at some point, and you don't need a ton of money in the account to get it into real estate. And so there's all kinds of possibilities. So I would say, if if you have a just a few moments, uh, I shouldn't say it, forty five minutes or an hour or something, mm-hmm. find out. Let's yeah. let's find out. Let's get you the information. And it might be for you, and it might not be for you. But but don't let the 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 thought that it's too too daunting or it's too much of a process or that kind of stuff get in the way from actually finding out. Because in a lot of cases, it's a it's a good match for folks. Yeah, don't don't be too intimidated by it. There, there's people here to help you, and um, the, the my clients who have done it have been really happy with it. My uncle, who's done it for years and years and years, very very happy with it. When you make a 10 percent plus return on your money, and you're used to getting, I don't know, six percent, that's a pretty big difference, you know. It feels and, good. and <laughs> feels really good, you know. Our deals we're getting fifteen percent, so imagine doubling over doubling the return you're getting. So I would say don't be intimidated. It's definitely worth a couple hours of research and and questions with a professional like yourself. So Clay, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I will let you know when this airs. I'll I'll make sure all your contact info is is in the show notes and on social media. So right. we we get people uh, avail or get you connected with people. But thank you, man. I, I I'm excited for investors to take advantage of this. Well, I'm glad to be here, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. And it's always great to, to get to talk to some uh, fellow investors. Absolutely. Thank you. Sam.